Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> 7.56, I decided to drive by Ralph's to see what was happening over there because I was there yesterday and all the shells were just, I mean, it looked like uh, the end of the world, right? In fact, when I was there yesterday, I, I found myself in line actually singing the song, It's the end of the world as we know it. So I was driving to church and I saw this line out to the road because the doors hadn't opened yet. Went to Target and I was uh, among the first hundred through the door this morning. So I was able to pick up some supplies. I was able to find some hand sanitizer and some toilet paper. For those of you that have not found toilet paper, because you go you know, to buy it and it's like for, for whatever reason... This is the item of choice. I mean, this is what people are going... This is their go-to, is, is toilet paper. Because, I mean, if this truly is the end of the world and you don't have toilet paper, you're in a lot of trouble, right? I actually... Uh, I actually... Um, I bought a lot of toilet paper because I'm, I'm one of those people who thought that that's going to be probably what it's going to come down to. I'm really going to need it. And so I actually created in my house... Um, I created a panic room, you know, just, just in case... You know, just in case, I want to show, I want to show you what it looks like. Um, just in case it is the end of the world. Hold on, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. Oh, maybe it's not there. I'll, I'll show it to you later. It's a, it's a beautiful room that I've created. It's just uh, lots of toilet paper, and so I'm going to be okay. But if you, if you were unable to get toilet paper, I will help you out. I brought some today uh, for you to take. Um, I took one for the team. I showed up early to Target, and I was, again, among the first hundred through the door. So I got hand sanitizer. I got wipes. I got things here if you were unable to find these things. I'm not going to put them on Craigslist. I'm not going to put them on eBay. I'm not going to try to make a profit like somebody did. They made over $100,000 through this crisis, um, bought out all the, yeah, all the Clorox, and they said, you know, this is a great opportunity to hustle. This is a great opportunity to, uh, to make some money, you know, and I'll make people pay for it. But, you know, we as a church, we have a calling, and that is to do life together, to help one another out. And so I, I really, honest to God, mean this. If you have a struggle, if you have a problem, um, you need to make that known. I'm not the best tech guy in the world, so as Pastor Gord was mentioning, if there's somebody that you need to see uh, when it comes to tech questions, it's not me, all right? I, it, oh, there, there, there's my panic room. All right, so finally finished it. Took me all day yesterday, and uh, we're, we're good to go. We're ready. We're ready for this. Um, we do, as a church, want to make sure that we stay connected. We want to make sure that we use what the enemy intends for evil for good. I, I believe great things can come out of this. I believe this is a great opportunity for us. Some of you are saying, well, man, I just, I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I want to go to church. Can't believe that we're shutting the doors down. I want to go to church. What a great opportunity this is for us to actually be the church. This is a big part of our mission statement. We believe that this is the place to be. We're, we're called to be, a, to, to, to be a being people where we're just being the church to one another. And you can come here and you can just be, you can be who you are. We're going to love you for who you are. You're going to love me for who I am. And we're going to do this together. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. 
We're hoping that you really do feel like you belong here. We believe that you belong here. This is a look around. This is your tribe. This is your family. This is your faith family. Hope that we're praying for each other every day, that we're staying connected through text, through email, through phone calls. This is going to be a great way, I think. I think it's, 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 it's the opportunity that, that I've been hoping for and praying for, not all the tragedy and all that's going on in the world, but a way where we as a church can really be the church to one another. So my phone number's on the, uh, on the bulletin, on the worship folder. You can just look at my phone number, my, my email. It's, it's out there. I'm not hiding. I want to be found. If you have a crisis, if you have a need, I want you to ask. I want you to reach out. I want to have the opportunity, not just myself, but I want to have the opportunity to bring before the faith family and see that we're meeting the needs of the people of God first and foremost. It's great to meet the needs of people in other countries. I'm all about that. I'm a very much mission-minded. But if we're not meeting the needs of people within our own faith family and we're meeting the needs across the world, but we're not meeting the needs of the people right here, then we're really missing it. So it starts here. We meet each other's needs and then we're able to meet the needs of people within our community, our neighbors, our friends, um, so on and so forth. I've entitled this message today as we're thinking about mental health. It's worth, we've been, the last two weeks have been great weeks to just gather. I just so appreciated last week being here and hearing from our friends from Australia. They had some good things to say. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go online. I want, I want you to hear what they had to say. Of course, it's not going to be the same as being here last week, but you're going to be able to gain a lot from hearing the words that they brought to us. Um, great words, and we so appreciate um, Dr. Wes and Ellie and their friendship and the way that they were able to help us. I've entitled today's message, We Don't Know What to Do. You ever feel like that? You're like, yeah, I've, I've felt like that for the past couple of weeks, especially. I don't know what to do. We have people saying this, people saying that. I just feel torn. You know, I, I don't know what to do. And maybe you feel that way when it comes to this sickness, when it comes to this virus, but just life in general. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in my marriage. I don't know what to do with what my kids are going through right now. I don't know what to do. I have a sick sister-in-law. I don't know what God is calling me to do in this situation. I mean, there's just so many things going on in our world. There's so many things going on in our lives. And I don't know if this is true with you, but it's definitely true about me. I've asked this question this past week, not just relating to the virus, but relating to a lot of different things. I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. If you have a Bible today, we look at 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11. And hopefully we're going to be able to answer that question today. We don't know what to do. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11, it says this. Praise be 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion. We have a compassionate Father. Our God is love. Our God is compassion. The Father of compassion. The God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our troubles. How does that make you feel today to know that the God of all comfort wants to comfort you in all of your troubles. In everything that you're going through, we know that we all go through difficult times. None of us can hide from trouble. Trouble's going trouble's to find you. It's going to find you. Jesus said it best in John 16, when he said, In this world, you're going to have trouble. He promised that. You're going to have trouble. But don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't grow, don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Don't give up. Some of you have got to that point in life. Maybe you've even thought about it. I just want to give up. What's the point? Throw in the towel. Quit. You feel so much despair. This question has not been answered in your mind. I don't know what to do. We have a God who's compassionate. A God who offers us comfort. He comforts us in our trouble. And you know why he does that? You know why he comforts you in your trouble? He does it so that you can comfort other people. You can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from our God. So you're going to have trouble, but we have a God who comforts us in our times of trouble so that we can comfort other people in their times of trouble. You see, it's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's not just about us. It's not just about the trouble that we face. We all face trouble. It's about helping other people in their times of trouble because God helps us in our times of trouble. We offer comfort. We offer compassion. For that's what it means to be a Christ follower. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ... So also our comfort, our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance. Patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Let me say that again. Our hope for you is firm. We have a firm hope. We have a solid hope. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Paul says, we, we, we do not want you to be uninformed. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experience in the province of Asia. You see, Paul was quick to tell of the troubles that he experienced. I think we need to share our trouble with others. We need to share our problems with others. So that we can receive comfort. So that we can receive support. So that we can receive help. You're not meant to do this alone. 
You're not called to live a life of isolation. I got it. I'm okay. I don't need your help. I can do it myself. We've always wanted to be independent. We've always, I got it. I'll do it myself. I don't need your help. I got a point to prove. I'm okay. We're not okay. (laughs) We need help. We need support. Together we can. We can cover a lot of ground, a lot of territory. We can accomplish much if we're doing this together. That's why it's so, so very important that we do this together, that we don't do it alone. If you struggle, I struggle. If I struggle, you struggle. We're doing this together. You're offering me comfort. I'm offering you comfort. I'm offering you compassion. You're offering me compassion. I'm offering you grace. You're offering me grace. I mean, it's a, it's a two-way street here. And it's what we're called to as the church. Paul wants you to know. He wanted, he wanted the Corinthian church, the church at Corinth, he wanted them to know about the troubles that were experienced in the province of Asia. I want you to know what's going on. Now, he says something that has just really gripped me. This past week as I was reading this, it just really got a hold of my heart. Because I feel like these words, and this was a giant. This guy, Paul, he was a giant, a faith giant. He's the guy who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God on the salvation. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Bring it on. Because if I'm absent from the body, it means one thing for me as a Christ follower. I'm with him. And I'd rather be with him than here with you. But I need to be here. It's necessary right now for me to be here with you, Paul said. He said, for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live, if I'm going to go on living in this body, it's for Jesus. But I read here, and I got to believe, that he was at a place in his life. Even Paul, even this superhero, he was at a place where he said, we were under great pressure. We were under great pressure. Far beyond, far beyond our ability to endure. Far above my ability to move forward. Under great pressure. How many have felt under great pressure? Great pressure to produce Great pressure to please. Paul said, I I, I know what you're talking about. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. In fact, so that we despaired of life itself. Wow. That's where he was. He had got to the place where he realized this is a lot of pressure, far beyond my ability to endure far beyond my ability to keep going, far above my ability to, 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 for forward movement. In fact, life right now, I, just, I despair even life itself. That's a dark place. When you get to that place where you're just about out, you're right on the edge of just being out of hope. You're just about ready to throw in the towel. You're just about ready to quit. You're just about ready to give up on life.
You know, as I think about this crisis, as I think about what's happened, as I think about what's happening, as I think about the last I heard, there were 48 confirmed deaths. The last I heard. And I'm sure it's gone up in the United States, that is, (coughs) related to this virus. Do you know that every day in our country that there are more people who take their lives every single day in our country because they've got to this point where they don't know what to do. They're living in this place where they're just so confused, so frustrated, so stressed, so stricken with fear. There feels like there's just no way out. And I don't fault people for being at this place. I, I, it breaks my heart as I think that, there's, that someone has got to this place. And it's like, if you ever get close to that place, like you need to talk to somebody. You need to reach out to somebody. God, help me to see people that are hurting. Help me to see the signs. I was 12 years old. It was a few weeks before my birthday. Every birthday, my grandfather would give me a card. And in that card, and I looked forward to it, because as a 12-year-old in the 80s, $20 was a lot of money. There'd be a $20 bill, and there would be Happy birthday, grandson. There'd be a little note for me, and I look forward to it. About two or three weeks before my birthday, after church, we made our way over to my grandfather's home, like we did often on Sundays, just to spend time with my grandmother and my grandfather, my father's parents. My grandmother had died about a year before not even quite a year before, she had colon cancer. She was about 50 pounds when she died. My uncle, my dad's brother, medical doctor, cancer doctor, oncologist, and he actually was there. My father was there. They had people caring for my grandmother. But to watch their mother, to watch my grandmother go from being a vibrant person who gave so much of herself to others, died without any money, gave it all away, loved people, to watch her just be destroyed by this disease, this cancer. It was extremely painful for my father and my family and for me as a 12-year-old boy, 11-year-old at the time. Can you imagine what it was like for my grandfather to have to watch his wife suffer for days, for weeks, for months? She actually dealt with this disease for three years before it killed her. And I can remember planning and putting together a plan for my grandfather once my grandmother died as a kid. I can remember us wanting to buy a house with a summer house attached to it so that my grandfather could live 
near us and so that we could help him through this difficult time. We went over on a Saturday night to visit my grandfather and he was very, very quiet. Wasn't talking, was very, very depressed. And I just, as I left as a kid, I felt in my spirit that I needed to call somebody, that I needed to call my aunt and uncle and I did and I wasn't able to get a hold of them. But I just felt an uneasiness inside as a, as a little guy. And the next day, it would be confirmed why I felt what I felt the night before. As we walked into his door, which was normally locked, it was open. And I walked up the three steps into the kitchen. And there I saw my grandfather laying on the floor with the same clothes that I had seen him wearing the night before. And I remember the image of him standing in the window looking at our car as we were pulling out, probably thinking that will be the last time that I ever see them again. As I walked up, I was the first one in. My brother was behind me, and as we walked into the kitchen, my grandfather was in a pool of blood. He had shot himself three times, I believe. And that was something that that's something that, that, that visual is something I'll never get out of my mind. I'll always see that. In fact, I was swimming at the time. I was on a swim team, and I had to stop swimming because every time I was underwater, that's the only image that I could see in my mind. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And he couldn't see past Somebody recently shared this idea, this thought, which was a great thought. Actually, Peggy, who attends here, shared this thought about suicide and people that are, you know, contemplating, thinking about ending their lives. It's almost like you're in a fog. And you're going through life and it's a fog. You just can't see clearly. And no, I don't look at my grandfather and say, well, everything that he did in his life is going to be discounted because of this one weak moment, because of what he did in this time of great despair. He couldn't see past the fog. But the hurt that that has left in our family, what that's done, it's been very, very painful. And yes, over the years, it's, it's gotten better. But there's people who get to this place where there's nothing I could say, there's nothing that I could do. He had made up in his mind that he didn't want to be alive anymore. And I think Paul, when Paul says, you know, we had got to a place where we are under great pressure, far, far beyond our ability to, to keep going, to keep moving forward, to endure. In fact, we had got to a place where we despaired life. He was in a dark, dark place. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Wow. Thank God for this verse. But this happened. 
But this happened. And let me tell you why this happened. Paul came to a place where he realized, yeah, this is true. This is how I feel. But all this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. All these things happened. You know, it says in the Bible in Romans 8, all things work together for good to those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things in your life are going to be good, that everything in your life is going to be rosy, that it's going to be really easy. <clears throat> Seems like every year that I'm alive, it gets more difficult. Think back to the 80s. I think back, and, and I have fond memories of the 80s. The greatest American hero, you know, Knight Rider. Uh, the A-Team. All these things. I think back to the 80s. 80s were just a lot of fun. You know, in the back, just catching frogs, catching turtles. Just There weren't a whole lot of problems going on. It didn't seem like there were a lot of bad things happening in the world. But as I get older, and even as I go back in history to 1918, and I see this Spanish virus that took the lives of over 675,000 people. I wasn't alive. I didn't witness, I wasn't a part of it. But all throughout history, there have been difficult times. Times where people have said, you know what, life just isn't worth living. You know, King Saul, he got to a place where he took his own life. Life wasn't worth living. It's in the Bible. You read the story of Samson. Here's this great guy. This great guy who was doing great things for God. He was extremely strong. He was a lot stronger than Frank. I mean, this guy was strong. Long, long hair. He had this, this special blessing over his life. He had taken the Nazarite vow. <clears throat> and we see the secret to his strength was, was in his hair. But he had a weak moment. Happened with a lady called Delilah. Maybe you've heard the story where she lulled him, it says in Scripture. She lulled him to sleep. She was able to get out of him the secret for his strength. And once his hair was cut, it says something in Scripture that is it's very, very hard to read. Really, really hard to read. It's a, it's a place where you don't want to be there. It says that the Spirit of the Lord had departed The Spirit of the Lord had left him. Oh, God, help us. We started with the Spirit. We're going to continue with the Spirit. We're going to stay in step with God's Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of the Lord had departed. The Spirit of the Lord had left him. That's that's what hell is going to be like. Hell, what I read about in Scripture, and Jesus talked a lot about hell. I know that there are some people that are writing books and saying that there's no hell. But Jesus spoke a lot about heaven, a lot about hell. And one thing I know about hell is hell is going to be the absence of the presence of God. God's presence will not be there. That's hell. When God's presence is not present. When God's spirit has left. God's spirit had left him. And here he is. He's blind They've gouged his eyes out, and his hair begins to grow back. And he asks that he's led to this place where he can just lean up against 
these columns where this big party, this great gathering has taken place. And what does he do? He prays this prayer. He says, let me die with the Philistines. He's given his strength and he pushes, pushes these pillars. The whole building collapses, collapse, and it kills everybody there, including himself. Think about people throughout Scripture. These are real people. These are real struggles. We're real people today. We're, we have real struggles. Paul, you know, this guy who had persecuted the church. He was a persecutor of the church. Meets Jesus. And he becomes one of the greatest preachers of all time. He becomes a proclaimer of the gospel. And he says, we received this sentence of death. But it all happened. So that I wouldn't rely on my own strength. So that I wouldn't rely on me. It all happened so that we could shift our focus. That our eyes would be placed on Jesus. Not on ourselves. Who or what are we relying on in our times of crisis? My eyes are not on the shelves at Ralph's. That's not where my help comes from. He has delivered us, Paul said, from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Amen? All throughout history, we see crisis, we see deliverance. We see crisis, we see deliverance. Hold on, my friend. Don't let go. Don't throw in the towel. You may be in a place that's very, very dark, that's very difficult, that's very discouraging. You may feel like giving up. You don't know what to do. He will deliver us again. On Him, we have set our hope that He will continue, Paul says, to deliver us. That He will continue to deliver us. That's who He is. He's going to continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. In this time, I want to encourage you to pray for one another. Because your prayers help others. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. We read that in the book of James. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. 2 Chronicles 20.12, Our God will not, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army. They're up against this great army that's attacking them. We don't know what to do. Wow. We see other people who didn't know what to do. They said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow, that'd be a great verse for you to memorize this week. 2 Chronicles 20, 12. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. As you approach life, be it your marriage, be it with your kids, be it your job, I think about this virus. I think about all the people that are going to be affected. We were talking about this in our meeting today. People that have child care, 
that work? What are they going to do about childcare now that all these schools, all these daycares, everything's shutting down? I think about people, I, I went last night to a restaurant and they said, sorry, but we're not seating people, you're going to have to do takeout. And I said, Thai food's Thai food, whether I sit down or take it out. I'll take it out. I want to eat it. I love my Penang. Unbelievable. It was great food. I was some of the best Thai food I've had last night. But as I watched, there were like about six or seven servers in the restaurant standing there, not doing anything. And I was like, you know what? These are servers. I know that they don't make a large amount. They rely on their tips. They rely on addition. You know, they want to serve. And that's how they're making their income. What are they going to do now that they've shut down this restaurant? A lot of people that are going to be affected by this. A lot of people that are going to have this question. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And what that's created is that's created a lot of panic. That's created a lot of angst. A lot of worry. Our faith is being tested by fire. But I'm, I, I'm under, I live underneath the belief that, you know, when we're tested and we're tried and we're true, <laughs> that God's going to make something beautiful. God, something beautiful is going to come from this. All things work together for good. Not everything's going to be good, but we have a God that can make beautiful things come from the ashes. Amen? <clears throat> I want to share this story with you. Many of you are probably familiar with the story of Peter. <clears throat> Matthew 14, through 27. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, and after he had dismissed the crowd, Jesus goes up on the mountainside by himself. He's all alone. He's always surrounded by people, but he gets alone. He's in, sol- he's in solitude, and he's praying. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before, Je- before dawn, Jesus begins going to, he, he, he walks to them on the lake. So it's still dark out. Jesus is walking on the water, walking on the lake. <coughs> the disciples saw him walking on the lake, and it says that they were terrified. They didn't know it was Jesus. They said, it's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. They were afraid, and Jesus says to them, take courage, it's I. Look at these words. Don't be afraid. Oh, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, Peter replied, let me, tell me to come to you. If it's you, tell me to come to you. On the water. And so Jesus says, come. Peter gets down out of the boat and he walks on the water towards Jesus. doing real well. He's walking on the water. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's walking on the water. But something happens. It says, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reaches out, grabs a hold of Peter, catches him, and he says to Peter, as he's catching him, as he's lifting him, he says, you of little faith. 
Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Now it's easy to just kick Peter under the bus. You know, what an idiot. You know, I don't know about you, but it's so easy. It's so easy to get distracted. With all the chaos, all the panic, all the stress, everything that's happening around us. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, if somebody's phone goes off, everybody's like, woo You know, Sunday mornings when, you know, worship team's coming up here as I'm finishing up, people are easy to get distracted, begin thinking about other things. And then fear sets in, right? When we think about other things, when our eyes come off of Jesus, yeah, you're afraid. And that's what happens with Peter. Peter's human, but I mean, at least Peter got out of the boat. Everybody else stayed in the boat that day. Peter got out of the boat. And he starts, and he's doing well. But then the wind and the waves and everything that's happening around him takes his eyes off of Jesus. And the minute that that happens, he begins to go down. He begins to sink. Aren't you glad that we have a Jesus who can catch us? A Jesus who can reach out in his grip. He reached out and he yanked me out of the miry clay. All that muck and junk and sin just reached reached in and grabbed a hold of me. If your eyes come off, if your eyes are not on Jesus, you will sink. You will go down. You can't do it without him. And so we see this happening in the life of Peter. So as we close today, I mean, I think about people throughout Scripture that were at this place. They were either despairing life, they were living in crisis, They wanted to give up. Some gave up. Some kept going. Some endured. Some had hope. Some gave up hope. I mean, if anybody had a reason to give up hope, it was Abraham, right? Remember this guy? He was told at age 75 that he was going to have a son. His wife, 65 at the time, was going to have a son. He said, okay, I'm going to believe you, God. You say it's going to happen. You can do all things. He waits 25 years for God to come through. Yeah, read about it in Romans 4, 18, 22. It says, against all hope. That tells me that against all odds, against all hope, there was really no chance whatsoever. Abraham, in hope, <laughs> believed. And he became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his flesh, he faced the fact, he got honest with himself, that his body was really as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver. Wasn't wishy-washy. He didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But he was strengthened. In his faith. 
strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded of this, that God had power to do what God had promised to do. And that is why it was called, it was said of Abraham, it was credited to him as righteousness. Other people in Scripture, the guys on the Emmaus Road, they were walking and Jesus shows up and starts walking with them right after Jesus had been raised from the dead. Remember this story? These guys were walking along the Emmaus Road and they were just totally bummed. Their hopes had been dashed. Their heads were hung. And they said these words in Luke 24, 21 as Jesus was walking with them and talking with them and they didn't recognize that it was Jesus walking and talking with them. They said, we had hoped that he, meaning Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's what we had hoped. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to believe. They didn't know what to think. But as Jesus walked with them and talked with them, their hearts were strangely warmed, like John Wesley said. Their hearts were strangely warmed. And as they got to the place where they were going, Jesus pretended as if he was going to keep going. And they urged him to stay with them. And as they were breaking bread and praying, and they were there together in this room, in this place, their eyes were opened. And they could see, and Jesus was gone. Oh, God, open our eyes so that we can see you. Open our ears so that we can hear you. Romans 8, 24 through 25, For in hope we were saved. In hope we were saved. But hope that isn't seen is no hope at all. I mean, after all, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Praise God. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is hope. We have hope. To live is Christ. We have hope. Don't give up hope. Don't give up believing. Don't give up trusting. Don't give up holding on. Don't throw in the towel. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. We have a living hope in the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that on Easter. Because he lives, listen, because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know that he holds the future. And life is worth the living. Just because, if for no other reason, because he lives. As you bow your heads with me, I want to pray this last passage over you today. I want to pray this for you. I want to pray this with you. This is the heart of what I want you to hear today. If you've missed everything I've said today, 
I want you to hear these words as I pray them over you, as I read them. These are words right from 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. I'm not better today than I was yesterday. I'm closer to Jesus than I was yesterday. Closer to seeing Jesus today than I was yesterday. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here it is. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God bless you. God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. We look forward to worshiping with you next week online and staying connected with you throughout the week. I'm going to stay after today. If there's anything that you need, again, we have some supplies that we brought today. Not a lot, but enough. If, if you need anything, we brought some toilet paper here today. We brought some, some cleaners. We brought some sanitizers. Um, would love to, to bless you with these things if you're in need. And uh, look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.